We're finishing up our vision series today, and I'm really, I just love this. If you guys enjoyed the vision series, I know some people have been here for all of it, some for some of it. It's just been great, and you know, we take time, we want to take time here at the beginning of the year, again, to just really communicate our vision as a church. We are a church that's driven by a vision. What does that mean? We believe that, you know, obviously God has a mission for all of the churches in the world. We're all one body, but how we carry that out, how we walk in it with our own unique gifts and our own unique abilities, the things uh, such as culture where we're positioned, the time of history that we live in, all of those things allow us to be able to carry out our calling and to be able to reach our communities and reach people in our own different and unique ways. And so we're a church that's driven by a vision that God has really called us to, that he spoke to us. It's why we're here. And we also know that a part of us as a church fulfilling our vision is that we are about raising people up here to walk in the purpose and the vision that God has for your life. You know that, right? That God has a vision and a purpose for each one individually. We've quoted this probably three out of the last five weeks, but I'll say it again. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of hope, uh, thoughts of, oh my gosh, I just lost it. <laughs> Holy cow. What? Yeah, thoughts of a future and a hope. Uh, Good and not evil. I'm panicking here. Can we put it on the screen? Oh my gosh. It's my, one of my favorite verses and I just choked. Anyway, it's, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. Look it up in your Bible and it's good. <laughs> For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not evil to bring you a future and a hope. Thank you for allowing me that opportunity to recover. Okay. So, and look, this is one scripture of many that's, that's laced all through the, the scriptures of God speaking about us having a unique purpose and a unique destiny, each of us. We're all called to reach a world around us in a different kind of way that no other human being that's ever walked the face of the earth or ever will walk the face of the earth could walk in your shoes and do. You're unique uniquely gifted. You're uniquely created. The substance of you from spirit to flesh, your emotions, your gifts, your feelings, your personality, it's all uniquely created by one creator who wants to use you to fulfill an overall vision and purpose that he has for a lost and dying world. And he wants you to live in eternity with him when you leave this earth. It's amazing. And we want to help people discover that. It's awesome to me when we speak to people who get this revelation for the first time, where they recognize, wow, I've never really thought that or heard that before. And it literally lights them up. When I heard this and I found this out almost 15 years ago, it changed me forever. And I've only grown increasingly more passionate and on fire for discovering what it is that God wants for me. Because deep down, I know and I understand 
understand that though I may have plans or I may have a picture of what I would like to see my life look like, I trust and I know only God knows and sees that picture perfectly. And I want to allow Him to change me and shape me and grow me from the inside out so that my life unfolds and flourishes into this life that He's created me to have. And I know that it will make the greatest impact in this world for Him so He gets the glory that can possibly be made. It's a surrender thing. It's letting your hands off of it and giving God full control and saying, God, lead me and guide me. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He shall direct your path. Is that powerful or what? You don't trust God. He's saying trust with your heart. It's a spirit thing. Don't lean on your understanding, meaning head knowledge, reasoning, all of the kind of stuff that seems to make sense in the world. God's saying that's not the place from you that you trust me from. You trust me from the inner man, the spirit man that resides underneath the flesh and underneath the emotion. The part of you, which is the only part of you that is eternal, which is your spirit, is the place that you trust me from. And if you'll allow me to lead you from that place, I will shape you and I will grow you and I will do a marvelous and mighty work in your life. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You can't possibly understand the destiny that God has for your life with an intellectual knowledge. It is a spiritual revelation. The Bible says is that his spirit bears witness with our spirit to things of truth. And so the spirit of God that lives in us, the Holy Spirit, reveals, uncovers, unveils the purposes and the plans of God and his nature and his character and who we are in Christ from his spirit to our spirit. And it changes us from the inside out. And the outward change that flows out of us is the change that's flowing into the world and that's changing the atmosphere of the world around us as well. It's an amazing thing. And so that's why we've spent so much time talking about vision and getting clear on this and, and trying to communicate as best as we can what the vision for our church is here at Life Church X in Waterloo, Illinois, so that when people say, this is going to be my church, this is going to be the place where I plant my feet, where I grow up strong in my faith, where I let God do the work that he wants to do in me so that I can be everything outwardly that he's calling me to be. When they say that this is where it is going to be, then we want people to know that's amazing and we celebrate that and we want you to know what the vision of our church is and we want you to know that God has a vision for your life and we're here to nurture that and facilitate an environment that is, is catalytic and, 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 and contributing to seeing that all uh, uh, flourish and come to pass. Yeah. Amen? Amen. That, wasn't, that was just an opening. That wasn't even in my notes. Oh, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> uh, so 
you know, we talked about as far as just kind of some of the breakdowns of our vision over the last five weeks, that why we exist. So kind of a statement that we lead from, which is what we call our why, is a statement we call raising up game changers. And that's kind of a two-part statement for us. There's the raising up, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And then there's the game changers, which we've been talking about. But the game changers is kind of our own way of saying people that are changing the world around them because the purpose of God is being unveiled and unfolded and flourishing in their life. They're someone who's discovered God has a plan for them. They're trusting God to do that work in them. And God is empowered them to walk it out and there's the outward evidence that all of the things around them in their lives are changing as a result of not their strength but the strength of God who's working in them. That's a game changer by our definition. Well we want to raise up game changers meaning we want to multiply that. We want to create a generational transfer of that. We want to be able to uh, grow people up who grow people up who grow people up and make sure that this is something that continues to transcend just one era of time, just one generation of leadership. I don't want to be a church 30 years from now where we say, well, we had a great 30-year run. It was awesome. We did a lot of great things, but at the end, it just kind of fizzles out. That happens whenever multiplication and generational transfer is not a part of the focus, is not a part of the culture, is not something from the top down in leadership that is contended for and fought for at all times through all levels of the organization. We want to see the raising up happen from the time people, the kids in our kids ministry downstairs are learning right now downstairs that they have a purpose and a plan and that God has something special for them and that God has created them uniquely and that it's beautiful and there's nothing about them that God messed up right and that they continue to grow up so by the time they're teenagers they're solid in that. They're, they've got an unshakable faith that's been established that no matter what the world says to them, no matter how much the world tries to beat them down or give them a poor self-image, they say, that's not the truth that I grew up hearing, right? It's a generational transfer that we're contending for. That's what the raising up and the multiplication part means to us. So the why is, is raising up game changers. And then we got into the kind of the second element of our vision, which is what we call our core values, core values. And we spoke on each one of those in depth and said, look, we've got passion. We've got humility, integrity, and love. And there's so many things that you could come up with that would make the list, that would be worthy of being on a list like this. But one of the important parts of establishing core values is narrowing it down to the absolute essential things that you say, this is what we are going to, these are going to be non-negotiables. When we promote people to leadership, when we, when we ask people to step up into leadership positions where they're representing our church, where they're, in, they're pouring into an up-and-coming generation of leaders that these things have got to be showing themselves out in their lives and they have to be evidence of that. There can't be any compromise or any fracture on these areas right here whatsoever. We had a little challenging situation with Katie and the love thing not long ago. It was close. 
So she repented and we prayed for her and she stopped throwing apples at me. So she's back. But the point is <laughs> that we fight for these things across all levels of our organization. And if you weren't here in the last, in weeks two and in weeks three, to hear what passion and humility and integrity and in love means to us and how it looks in the walking out of our purpose and our vision for the church and in our own lives, then you need to listen to those messages on podcasts and you need to hear them, I believe, and really let that soak in for you, especially if this is going to be your church. And then the last thing, which is where we're finishing up with today, is we talked about our focus areas, which is what are we focused on, right? We said to be focused on everything is to be focused on nothing. One of the things that, that marks great organizations, whether it's churches or businesses or anything, that continue to move forward and continue to grow and ascend and change an environment around them is that they are, they are clearly razor sharp focused on a few areas that they know are in alignment with who they are and what they're supposed to do. And they don't deviate from that. They make sure that all the decisions that are made align with the areas that they must be focused on. It's, it's challenging to be able to see things that are maybe good or could be helpful, but to know that they might take away from other things that you need to be doing. But we must stay focused in order to stay the course and make the greatest impact and be the most effective that we can be as a church and in our own lives. This is These things, these areas of focus and these areas of values, they should show themselves out, not just in the way we move as a church, but in the way we move as individuals in our own lives. Members of one body. Each member playing roles, but having functions. And as those functions play out, these things should be showing themselves out in the way we walk forward. As people, we must be focused, right? If you're all over the place and you're doing all kinds of things, you can be distracted from your purpose every single day. Jesus was a focused man. He always went where the Father led him and he always said what the Father told him. That's powerful. That means nothing that didn't fall into the, the, the words or the leading and the guiding of what God was pulling him into, he didn't do. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't go to every town. He didn't stop in every crowd, but he stopped in some and he went to some and he healed many, right? So Jesus was focused and he was showing us a picture of what razor focus looks like so that we know we are to emulate Jesus and all we do is the ultimate example. He's the epitome of everything. And if we model our lives off of him, we know that we'll continue to, to point ourselves more and more in the direction of the plan and purpose that God has for our lives. We can draw that from scripture and know that that is true. So last week we talked about two of the focused areas and we talked about exchange and we talked about extend. And so today we're going to talk about expand and we're going to talk about experience. And what I'm attempting to do is to basically speak to you from biblical truth about what, how we are, are taking truths of the scriptures and, and, and applying them into these areas of focus. What I'm not necessarily doing is getting into the strategic parts of this in great detail. I'm talking about the general sense of these things so that you can catch that, but then I'm going to just say a little bit about what they look like, what we're doing, but what's important to note is that strategy flows out of vision. Vision drives strategy. The values and the vision never change, but the way we go about it as time progresses and moves on will most certainly change. In fact, at the 
the beginning of the year, we're here meeting with a lot of our ministry leaders and our mentality, our position is to look at everything we're doing and test it to make sure it's what we still need to be doing. If it worked last year, does that mean it's going to work this year? If we did it well, can we do it better? Is, are we resourced to do it the way we need to do it? Is, or is it just a good idea that maybe we don't, we're not positioned to do quite yet? And looking at all those things that are strategy and saying, okay, test it with our vision and test it with our timing and make sure that this is something that we're going to focus on. And if we are, we're going to pour ourselves into it and we're going to do it as best as we can do. And so let's get into expand and then into experience. So when we look at expand, that to me speaks a lot about the multiplication part of things, the raising up part of things, growing people up to walk in their purpose, to grow in their faith and to become all that God is creating them to be. To do that at all levels of generations, from young people to middle-aged people to older people, right? And we were working hard with the older people. They're stuck in some of their ways. I had five of them say something to me about my genes today. I'm a pretty forgiving man, but it's getting old. <laughs> Let me patch those up for you. <laughs> Did you know that when you bought them? I hope you didn't spend too much on them. I've heard them all, okay? <sighs> I think they're cool. And I'm going to keep wearing them. <laughs> oh. So when we say expand, we want to we contend for that. Guys, at every level in our organization, at every part of where people are at. And I look at this as, 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 as a pastor and looking in and saying, are people in our church, are they flourishing and thriving in the calling that God has on their lives? Because the truth is, is that I can't say that I was always flourishing and thriving in the calling that God has on my life. I mean, I would even be hesitant to say something that strong now, but I've come to grips with this greater sense of where I must be in order to thrive. And I fight and I, and I trust God to keep me uh, positioned to stay in the place where I can continue to thrive on a daily basis in what it is that he's called me to do. But listen to this scripture in Psalm uh, 92 verse 14. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Did you know that you are meant to flourish? Guys, there's not a single person in this room today that's meant to just produce a little fruit. That's meant to be a mediocre person. None of you are meant to be that. You are meant to flourish. Meaning a, a plant, right? If you think about this, that's flourishing and that's producing an abundance of fruit. No matter how many people are around to pick from it, the plant is always producing more and overflowing with plenty for what's needed for the people that are around it. Your life is meant to be a life of flourishing, of thriving, not just doing a little, not just kind 
kind of knowing what God has for you, just kind of scratching the surface of doing something big. You are meant to flourish. It's, it's biblical truth. And if you grasp that and you say, okay, I embrace that, that's the first step in allowing God to continue to speak life and to empower you to become that flourishing person in the plan that he has for your life. I encourage you. I implore you. Grab on to that. Ask God. Pray with God. Ask him to give you a deep sense of revelation that you are meant to flourish in the plan that God has for you in your life. But notice in this scripture, it says those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Planted. That means to be driving roots and where in the house of the Lord into good soil. So we lived in Imperial Arnold area, Jefferson County, our whole lives. Grew up and in, in that area. And I'm just going to tell you, if you want to have a garden, you might as well hit your head with a hammer every single day because it is one of the hardest things to do over there. The soil is clay. It's rock. It's, it's just like you go six inches and you hit a boulder and you're just like, dude, I mean, everything I did, I tried to dig a hole for my mailbox. It took me like a half a day. I'm, just, I'm not kidding. It's like, it's crazy. And then every time you dig soil, you got to peel it off with, cause it's clay and you got to get it off of the shovel or the post hole diggers. I mean, I soaked that stuff in WD-40 and it still stuck to the thing. And it's just like, it's, it's laborious. It's not, anyway. So we come over here to Illinois and guess where we're at? In the most fertile land that you can ever get in, in the United States, just about in the Midwest, where all, everything you plant grows. Things you even don't want to grow can grow over here. You know, you plant bushes, you plant peaches, you get peaches, apples, and, and, and everything else. It's like, holy cow, like the soil is rich and it's fertile. And you, and you still have to nurture it and care for it. But it's it, anything you put in, you're putting it in good soil. And it has every opportunity to become all that it's meant to be. And to be a flourishing plant and produce an abundance of fruit. Guys, to flourish in your calling, in the plan that God has for your life. Ask yourself the question, where are you planted? I believe, I sincerely believe, that this is as good of a place as any to be planted. To be able to grow up in what God has for you in your life. It's not a, it's not a, a, a representation of me or of anything else except that it's the purpose of God. It's God leading us and guiding us. And His presence is here among us. And He's doing a work here. This is as good of a place to be planted as any. To flourish in what God has for you. But if not here, and that's totally cool, where is it? Is it fertile soil? Are you planted in a place where you are hearing consistently and, and somebody is speaking to you consistently about becoming all that God has created you to be. That you have a purpose and a plan and a destiny and that God has made you for something world changing and impactful. Where you're planted has everything to do with how you're going to flourish. Your God given gifts, talents and abilities that God put in you. They're stirred up, they're provoked and they're flourishing and empowered by a by it's a spiritual thing you know you don't get good at your spiritual walk by doing some sort of worldly discipline you walk and grow in your spiritual calling that God has for you, your destiny because you're engaged in spiritual activity you're plugged in to the spiritual source the author of it God himself and an environment is a huge part of where you begin from but it doesn't just end here it's got to continue out there. And what we try to do, 
is we just want to create an atmosphere that gets contagious, that gets catalytic, as I've said before, to, to growing you and nurturing your calling so that when you get out there and you're living every other day of the week, that you're thinking about these things, you're praying about these things, you're meditating on these things, and that spiritual activity that we're talking about never stops. There's never a moment in time that you're creating, think about this, this is big, there's never a moment in time that you're created to be disconnected from the Spirit of God. Wow. Now, we must walk forward each day knowing that what we're, what we're learning and what we're cultivating here is really all about what's spilling out out there. Because we can all have a great time every Sunday and experience these great things, and we will. We'll never stop that. But guys, if it's not showing itself out there in a multiplying manner, then we are doing something wrong here. We need to make sure that we're moving and growing in our purpose and, in our, and, and we're being strengthened each and every day where we're walking with God. Yes. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> And it's, it's, it's crazy, guys, but you know, and I've seen this, and it's possible. Some people, it's, it's very possible that someone can come to know God. They can get saved or born again by knowing Jesus, but they can never really progress and move forward in becoming all that God has create them, created them to be. That they can not really continue to grow. The Bible says all kinds of things about how our faith is to increase, right? It's an increasing, ever increasing faith, a growing and strengthening faith. And it's possible any person in any place in life can, can just continue to stop growing. And they can stay in what I would consider to be ankle deep water forever and never really venture out into the deeper things of God. And the deeper things of his character and his nature and the intimacy that he's created you to have with him and the unveiling of a purpose and a destiny that's huge and vast and expansive. People could walk in ankle deep water their whole lives. And it's a, to me, it's a scary place to be in, honestly, because I, I am like terrified Honestly, of not moving forward and growing. Like to me, I am severely uncomfortable and, and just can't even fathom the idea of being idle in my walk with God. It's got to be an ever increasing thing. And if you're really caught in your heart by the Spirit of God and you get a revelation about this, I believe that no one will be able to rest idle. You'll never be able to be comfortable sitting still and not growing and moving forward each and every day into what God has for you. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He's saying the time for beginning stages happens. The place for spiritual birth and newness and beginning stages, it's, it's there for all of us. But we're none of us are meant to stay there. We're all meant to grow up strong and what we call maturing in our faith, getting stronger and living more powerfully from a place of faith and not a place of reason. So that when the world brings to our doorstep the things that it does, our response is more quickly and more reflective a response of faith and a 
response of supernatural uh, uh, movement as opposed to something of reasoning and knowledge. We're all meant to do that. He also goes on to say, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, I know in part, so now I know in part and I see in part, but then, meaning when I get to heaven, I shall know all as I am. He's saying, look, this is another powerful part of that. We start in a place where we begin and we're meant to always grow, but the point is, is that we never actually fully get there. We're never going to reach a state this side of heaven where we can say, I am fully mature. We are always growing and increasing in our walk. When we get to heaven and we get to be with Jesus and the veil comes down and we see all for it is, then we will be in a perfect place and we will be in a perfect state of being with our Father God and seeing and understanding what we couldn't quite grasp, what it was all about to begin with in fullness. But Paul, he says boldly, can't stay where you are, but he also says humbly, but I'm never going to be all the way there, right? Listen to this. We talk about raising up game changers in a sense as multiplication, right? We want to spark in people uh, an understanding about their purpose. We want to spark a, a revelation about their destiny and cultivate that and grow them up strong and then ultimately to see that reproduced out of them. We want to, we want to raise our kids up knowing they have a purpose. We want to speak it to our young people. All the people that are living on fire for God, it ought to be contagious and spilling over in a way where it's multiplying itself and raising more and more people up. And multiplication, raising up game changers is a powerful part of expand. Does anybody have a penny? If you have a penny in your pocket, take it out for a second. And maybe you've heard of this. I know Ted's heard this before. Right? Power of multiplication. Take it out if you've got one. Mom, don't hold your checkbook up. That's not a penny. <laughs> I give her trouble because she still uses her checkbook at the grocery store. She yelled at me this week, quit saying that. I don't do that anymore. Anyway, have you ever heard this? If you take a penny and you double it every single day for a month, every day for a month, without breaking out your calculators, although I don't know if anybody could be that fast, what do you think that you would have? How many people think you'd have more than $1,000? Raise your hand if you think you'd have more than $1,000 after a month. Seriously? Wow, you're going to be blown away. All right, raise your hand if you think you would have more than $100,000 after a month. Okay, you're with me, buddy. All right, smartest guy in the room. <laughs> and he's five. <laughs> All right, raise your hand if you think you would have over a million dollars after a month. One penny, day two, two pennies, day three, four pennies. You get the deal, right? Doubling it up. What? Huh? So, did I do my math wrong? No. So, two to four to eight, right? Okay, so after a month, raise your hand if you think you'd have over a million dollars. Or did I just say that? All right, you ready for this? 10.7 million. Yeah. I Googled it. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I checked Forbes and Fortune, and I did some math. Yeah, it's actually true. The key is, is it's day one, you actually have one penny, not zero. So day two, you have the two, right? But after 31 days, you're going to have $10.7 million. The power 
of multiplication. We can never underestimate it. Listen to what Timothy says. Guys, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. This is, this is huge. You guys are still doing math. Just stop. Just <laughs> worry about it later, okay? Get your calculators out. Get your Google out and do it later, all right? Trust your pastor. <laughs> all right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I've always loved this. He says, Therefore, my son, this is Paul talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Pay attention here for just a second. You got Paul talking to Timothy saying, teach others who will teach others also. You've got four generations of leadership, four generations of transfer, which is a, which is a, a, a process or a pattern for continuing to see multiplication and generational transfer. That's what we're about is multiplication. We're not going to be satisfied with just 100 people people excited about God. We want multiplication. We want more people getting on fire for their destiny. We want more people recognizing God has a purpose for their life. If I'm going to be completely transparent for me, with you, I believe it is the only real hope that we have for seeing our world turn in a direction that goes back to God. I don't think you can politicize the change that's necessary. I think we've got a lot of great things happening already administratively, but I don't think ultimately that politics or laws or any of that stuff are really the answer that we need. We need a revival. We need a spirit of God sweeping across our land, which means we need people on fire for God. And I don't know how you stay on fire for God if you're not walking and pursuing a purpose that you're on fire for that God created you for. Four generations of transfer. Raising up. So for us, just a little bit of how this looks. Raising up leaders, planting churches. We're going to plant churches. We're going to do that. When, I don't know. How it's going to look, I don't know. But we're going to do that. Because our church here is not going to be big enough to contain all the work that we're going to do. We're going to raise people up and we're going to send them out. Whether it's planting churches, going to work with other organizations around the world. Whatever it is, they're going to be taking that fire and they're going to be taking that passion and that DNA of our culture of having a purpose and they're going to take it out there and they're going to be spreading that in other places of our world. We're going to raise up leaders. We're going to plant churches. We're going to send game changers out. We're going to be influential to other organizations. Listen, I firmly believe that there's people in here right now and people that are going to come that are going to absolutely revolutionize their businesses, their companies, their neighborhoods, other communities. I firmly believe that. That we're going to influence other organizations, other institutions, other people groups in a powerful way because what God is brewing in here is something that is absolutely attractional, contagious, supernatural, and, and, and will not be denied. God is not going to see your destiny denied if you'll trust Him and walk forward knowing that you, He is the one that is unfolding that for you. If you stay with Him and stay close to Him, your purpose and your destiny will be wrought. 
Always striving to cultivate an environment here that's an accelerator for growth. And a few things, just, just practical things now, guys, that you can get into is, is we have life groups coming up right around the corner, our small groups, where it's obviously a time for fellowship, but it's also a time for growing together. We have obviously our Sunday uh, services and the teachings and the things that you hear here. We contend for obviously for strong teaching that grows people up. We trust God to speak these messages and to bring revelation every single week so that we're hearing from him and not hearing from a man, right? And that it's, it's, con it's, it's, it's contributing to what our vision and our purpose is. And I would say this, that we also have the podcast. You actually only get half as much revelation from podcasts as you do from actually being here. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's true, but it's just a way for me to try to get you to be here. <laughs> so don't come and be like, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm really, it's awesome. I'm listening to the podcast. Okay, but come <laughs> be here, you know, most of the time. That's good. All right. Anyway, podcasts are great too, guys. We love them. Uh, but listen, private disciplines, private disciplines. Look, in order to really flourish in your calling, you've got to have private disciplines in your life too. You've got to be a student of the Word. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to pray. You've got to meditate. You've got to seek God. You've got to fellowship with a community of believers outside of... Like, there are private disciplines that mark the life of every believer who's growing and flourishing in their calling. And these are, these are private disciplines that we have to contend for. And we help here to, to set the stage for people to get plugged into those things. But obviously... That it, it, we have to make sure that we are looking at our lives and saying, what is first? Where are the priorities? I can't go weeks and weeks and, and give God a couple hours or contribute a few hours to this thing of purpose and destiny and, and walking with God. Like That's not the way he created you. That's not the balance here that he's looking for. We've got to make him number one. And there's a lot of things that we are doing in our lives on a daily basis that keep us plugged in to that. That keep us engaged in that spiritual activity of God speaking and revealing and uncovering and unveiling more and more things and strengthening and empowering at the same time time. All right. I'm going to blast through experience now because we're almost out of time, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. So experience. One of the things that I absolutely love about our culture, about our heritage, about where Katie and I come from, as far as how we've grown up in the faith is that we are literally ruined from ever being in a place or an environment where the power and the presence of God is missing. I sat under it every single week for f almost 15 years. Every single Sunday, I come to the house of the Lord and I can feel the tangible, unmistakable presence of God. It is undeniable. And I absolutely love that many people, when they come here, when they're newer, and they'll say, I've, I've, man, I've felt God in the place. I can feel the presence of God. Some people say I haven't felt it in a long time. Some people say I've never felt that. And all I know is that ain't nothing to do with it, me. It's just where our hearts are positioned, what we're contending for. And I will never, ever want to be in a place where that isn't a part of what's going on. The power and the presence of God that breaks chains, that sets people free, that you see miracles happen in, where the, the spiritual gifts are thriving in the church body. Like, that is a part of who we are. That is a part of our culture. It's a part of our DNA. The power and presence of God. And I am 
so passionate about making sure that every person, wherever they're at in their walk, is, is becoming familiar with this. I think you go from a place of being maybe unfamiliar with it in the beginning to getting a taste of it, to growing in it, to where you become familiar with it. And it's not just about stepping under it on a Sunday morning. It's about walking in that glory each and every single day. An awareness of the presence of God in your life, hearing the voice of the Lord. Guys, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't hear the voice of the Lord on a regular basis in my life. Like, the voice of the Lord ought to be clear and crisp and frequent and fluent in our lives. Right? And, and, a, and, and, that's a, and did you know there's a lot of people who don't believe that anybody hears from God? I mean, that's something that is taught out there. I'm not trying to knock churches or nothing. I'm just saying, like, people believe that. And, and if you're going to be all you're called to be, this is just me, your pastor, talk. I don't know how you do that without hearing the voice of the Lord. I don't know how you do that without hearing from God. Now, again, we're a man, and just as Paul said, we see in part. So I'm not saying I've heard everything that I've ever heard was the Lord cl as clear as you can. I've mistaken things, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm hungry for it and that I'm listening for Him and tuned into Him on a regular basis. The power and the presence of God is huge. Guys, Christianity is not a dry, dead, lifeless religion. It is not. It is not tradition. It is not methods. It is not rituals. It is a powerful, supernatural relationship. It is a relational walk. It is about walking in a power that is unknown to the human mind, but is familiar to the spirit. It is about becoming all that you're meant to be because there is a source that you're plugged into that is higher than every source that's the author of every source that is powering, charging and fueling that each and every single day. And to experience that regularly is to keep you charged and motivated and on fire for what it is that God has for you new every single day that you're alive. Every day that you're blessed to wake up and have breath and have sight and be able to go and do something with the life that God has given you. If you think... If you think that Christianity, if the Christianity that you are used to is boring, lifeless, powerless, listen, somewhere along the line, you bought a phony. Somewhere along the line, you accepted a fake. I've, we go to Jay Fires, this restaurant here in town. They've got this amazing bread pudding. I know I've told this before, but it works. So uh, they've got this amazing bread pudding, right? Now, I'm just going to tell you, before I had their bread pudding, I could have cared less about bread pudding. It was the last thing on the dessert menu I would ever have ordered. Because everything I ever tried was, was out of a box, or it was like fake ingredients. And who, bread, who likes that, right? I mean, it's just like, ugh, so many other good things. But when I tried real bread pudding at Jay Fires, made from scratch, she mer uh, soaks that, that rum demi-glaze sauce for five hours. It simmers in that pot with all the ingredients, and it's like a thick glaze that she pours over that fresh bread, soaks in. All of a sudden, now you've got the real thing, and you can't ever take 
face a phony again and not know it's a phony. You know what I'm saying? You got to have the real deal and nothing else will satisfy. That's what I mean by I am ruined, man. I mean, I, the, the presence and power of God in our lives is unmistakable. And when you step into it and you walk in it, it'll leave you totally dissatisfied with anything that the world has to offer you. You want to know how to stay on fire, get an encounter, walk in the presence of God for just a couple of miles in your journey, and you will never take another step without knowing that He's with you. It's like Moses said to God whenever he was calling them out of the wilderness, and God said, I'm not going to go with you, but I'll let you leave into this place. And Moses said, no, if your spirit doesn't go with us, then we're not going to go. We will stay in the wilderness and under the cloud of your presence before we go into the promised land without the presence of God. And that's the way we ought to be living. We've got to know the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He reveals heavenly knowledge to us. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Jumping down to 25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He's saying here, no one ever knew God by human wisdom. It's impossible. And the wisdom of God is stronger than anything of man. So he's saying, listen, what it is that God wants to bring to you through the experience of his spirit, it's way beyond anything that worldly knowledge or intellectual pursuit can do for you. And we've got to stay plugged in to that source, knowing that he is the great revealer. He is the great empowerer of everything that we're meant to do in our lives. Right, babe? Like, I mean, take Katie, for example. She learns a lot from me, right? I mean, I teach her all all kinds of stuff. Ooh, you're cringing. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Good thing you're on the front row. Nobody else can see your face right there. Woo. But as much as she learns from me, she still has to hear from God for herself. Do you get that? I'm being funny, but I'm being serious. She does hear a lot from, no, I'm just kidding, but I'm being serious. We all have to hear from God and we have to receive from God for ourselves. You can't go living in faith from something you heard somebody else say that you never embraced and heard God reveal to you for yourself. When God speaks something, he reveals it by his spirit to your spirit. It becomes something of substance and of faith that you can stand on and that you can walk from when you move forward in your life. We all have to be plugged in and walking with the God who says he wants to remain closer than a brother, that he wants to walk with us through everything, that he would never leave us nor forsake us. There is no human relationship that can be that close. He is the empowerer of our spiritual gifts. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, he said we're supposed to be zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. We talked a little bit about extend and living outside of ourselves last week. But what I want to hit on here is he says, be zealous for spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. 
little teaching moment. Spiritual in the Greek is a word called pneuma, pneuma, which means to the which means the spirit of God, breath or wind. Okay, so in order to function in your calling and to walk in your purpose, there needs to be a breath of God that's blowing and moving through your life. It's the word pneuma that we get the English word pneumatic from. Do you know what a pneumatic air compressor is? There's always pressure, but you just got to hit a valve to release that pressure to see that air blow and to power anything and everything that it's meant to power. The presence of God, the breath of God is meant to be blowing through our lives and it blows and powers as we stay plugged in to the very source itself and the pressure is always full. And all we do is release. We are not a source of anything. And I'll close with this. We have to stay close to the Holy Spirit because we must continue to be transformed. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may prove... That God has a plan for your life. That you may prove what the purpose of God looks like to a world around you. Do not be conformed to the world. Meaning, listen and hear from the worldly points of view and let your life be shaped by that. He's saying be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform in the Greek is a word called metamorpho, which is how they describe metamorphosis when a butterfly goes, or a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. Right? And so when we are plugged into the Spirit of God, experiencing the real, authentic relationship that God has created us for, that white-hot, passionate relationship, we are constantly, guys, being transformed into, from the inside out, the very person that God has created us to be. The transformational work is a spiritual work. And in order for that to happen, God has to be doing that in us. It's nothing we can do on our own and it requires not only impartation and depositing of truth and revelation knowledge but it also requires key purging purging see we're made clean and we're made right the very minute we repent and we surrender our life to Jesus we are made clean we are washed white as snow we are restored the Bible tells us to a place of righteousness right standing with our Heavenly Father but as we become all that we're created to be, become who God is meant for us to be, there is a transformational work that must always be happening where God is imparting and depositing and revealing more things to us from his truth, but he is also purging and removing things out of us in our lives that don't need to stay. Things that we need to let go of. Things we need to walk away from. Things that we just need to change our thinking about. you got to understand, it's a spiritual work. It takes a divine surgeon. This isn't a worldly pursuit. This is a heavenly one. And there's a spiritual source, one source. 
and he will do everything that he's allowed to do if you'll remain surrendered if you'll remain open and just allow yourself to stay on that altar so to speak and be willing to let God do the work in you that he wants to do sometimes it's painful because purging is painful but it's for our good and it's for the betterment of everything God is wanting us to be and we're never going to get there entirely. We're made right with God. And we're in relationship with Him when we accept Christ. But we are on a walk and on a journey to become all that God has created us to be. And to impact a world around us so that God can get the glory. And we can see a world changed through the life that we're living.